Uh, if you would, please take out your Bibles, and let's turn to Psalm uh, 133. Uh, I think I know all of you. I think that I've, I've met all of you before. I'm Joel, if I haven't met you. Um, part of part of the PCA, part of the Presbyterian, so um, down in San Diego. I thought it'd be good for us as, as we kind of go into this next season of the life of this church, which... By the way, um, it is just such a huge uh, privilege for me to be able to be here. Um, I, I often fill the role of the guest pastor who comes in um, and then keeps coming in for a long time until the church finds a pastor and then uh, and rebuilds. And it's always such a um, it's such an encouragement to my heart uh, to see people faithfully hanging in. And serving and loving one another, whether they move on to different congregations and do that, and I meet them in different congregations, or they do that in the same congregation, um, it just encourages my heart that God is in the church and God is with his people. Uh, And so it's a privilege to be here. So Psalm 133, um, this is a a song of ascent uh, of David. Just listen as I read it, um, and we'll kind of dive into the passage. Psalm 133 says this, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Um, my family uh, loves family reunions. I think I've told you guys this before. We love family reunions. Something that we do often. And my particular family, uh, we always uh, go on vacation almost every year together. Me, my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, all our families get together and we go on vacation together. And uh, that can be a time when you have people who uh, were family, who were, were uh, of different political bents, um, were of, uh, uh, we have differing opinions on what's happening in the world, differing spiritual bents. Um, some of us believe one thing, others believe other, other things. It can be hard, right? Um, together. This is a psalm of ascent. Uh, I don't know if anybody's ever described to you what that means uh, before. But essentially, this is a song that was sung by Israel as they were walking into Jerusalem, kind of going up the Temple Mount, uh, walking into Jerusalem, getting ready to celebrate the feasts together. Uh, When we go on our family vacations... um, we always have this thing that we do where, uh, and we never actually know when we're doing it until we're actually in the middle of it. And we call it the Fitzpatrick Death March. Um, it's like when you're walking and it's way too hot and you've been walking for way too long and you have little kids and it like starts to devolve into just sheer madness. Um, I remember one time we had gone to Las Vegas as a family to go boating And we were walking down the strip. We thought it'd be a great idea to walk from like Caesar's Palace or whatever it was 
to the M&M store and what we didn't know was like three blocks in Vegas is like three miles. And we had kids who were like seven or eight, right? And you have the people out there like handing out inappropriate materials and it's like 114 degrees and I developed blisters on the bottom of my feet and it was the death march. Um, here we have this picture of Israel. The community of believers walking through the desert day after day together. And you can get this, right? You get this feel where they're walking and it's like their heads are down and they might be singing a song. They might be caring for their children. They're in this realm where it's warm and they're uncomfortable and you've got that weird person next to you who tells the same joke like 14 times in a row and they think it's funny and they're not and it's just it's hard um and then we get this psalm one of the last psalms that they sing before they actually enter into jerusalem and the psalm's all about unity um and it starts out with this really beautiful, this really beautiful word, uh, where unity is actually commended to the people of Israel, and it's commended to us. The first word in the psalm, behold. Now in the Fitzpatrick Death March, right, our heads are down. We're looking here, we're taking care of kids, and you can imagine the people of Israel as they're walking. Their heads are down. They're making sure they're not tripping. They're making sure that, you know, the livestock's in tow. They're making sure their family is there. It's a big group of people going. And it's, behold, look up. When I read this psalm, which I read it quite often, in fact, um, this is a regular part of my prayer life uh, because I struggle with enjoying unity. Um, I always think of that great movie, uh, it's probably one of my favorite movies, um, The Three Amigos, right? Um, and in The Three Amigos, you have, uh, you, have, uh, you have Lucky Day at the top of the, of the wall, and you have like Dusty Bottoms and Ned Niederlander at the bottom of the wall, and Lucky Day's trying to get their, their attention, and he's like making bird calls, and he's doing all this stuff, and then finally he just yells, hey guys! And they look up. Behold, look up, see something, because there's something amazing going on here. And what is it? What are we supposed to look at? Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Wow. You get this picture, this is written, we think, by David. Um, it's a psalm of David. Um, you get this picture of David kind of sitting on his rooftop, and it's festival time, and he's looking out, and it's like this big mass of humanity walking to worship God. Behold, it's beautiful, it's commendable. Their hearts are singing together. Um, I, one time I went and worshipped in a church that had 5,000 people in one service. 
Um, and it was a Presbyterian church, go figure. You know where it was at, it was in the South. Um, and uh, and there, was, there was something beautiful about sitting with 5,000 people singing the song that we sang this morning, Holy, Holy, Holy. I mean, it was mind-blowing. Especially when they stopped the music and it was just the voices of the people. There's something beautiful about sitting with you all, all 12 of us, singing together. Holy, holy, holy. Unity. Unity. Good and pleasant. What do those things mean? There's no disharmony. It's like the restoration. The restoration of what was good in the garden. It's good and it's pleasant. It's beautiful. In many ways, when we sit here and we worship together, whether we're 5,000 or 5, when there's unity present, it's good and it's pleasant because in that moment, we're actually imaging the unity in the triune God who always dwells together, serving, loving, giving, unity. David's calling God's people to see and experience the beauty and the pleasantness of unity. I, I've often wondered um, at the phrase that I heard, I read it in a book once, we become what we behold. What you spend your time looking at is what shapes and forms your life. Um, for good or for ill, um, for evil. When we spend our time looking at unity, that our brothers and sisters in Christ and our heart is filled in love towards them. When we spend our time looking at God and the unity of the Trinity, we begin to treasure unity in our hearts. We begin to see it and long for it. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. David then goes on to give us these two beautiful pictures of what unity looks like. Um, and I, I, I personally love the first one, right? Because um, I identify so much with it. Uh, David says this, he says, it's like precious oil running on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Now, if you don't have a beard, which many of you men, actually all of you men, are baby faces. Um, if you don't have a beard, you don't get this um, as well. If you hug a man with a beard, you'll get it, especially if the man like takes care of his beard. I remember one time, a good friend of mine, the, his wife had just given birth, and I was invited as his pastor into the hospital to pray for them, to hug them. This guy was a good friend, a guy who I had mentored for a while. And um, and I knew, like, when you walk into a hospital room as a pastor, you want to make sure that, like, 
you, you, you smell good because smells are so important in hospitals, like people's senses are heightened. Um, so I had oiled my beard that day. Um, I'd used like a particularly beautiful fragrance and I'd oiled my beard. I know this is way too much information, but you'll get where we're going here in a second. My friend came up and gave me a hug. And it was kind of like a passing hug. And then he smelt my beard oil. And he was like, I don't want to let go. He literally said that to me. He was like, you smell good. And he kind of nuzzled his face into my neck a little bit. In the Old Testament, um, there was a certain type of oil that was made for the priests. And this oil was poured on their head. And it was a mixture of different oils. And that oil couldn't be remade, so it was a very particular sweet scent. In fact, Israel was commanded not to reproduce that oil and use it in any other context. It was a sweet scent. It would be poured and it would drip onto the robes so that even his clothes would smell like it. Giving off this aroma of sweetness, of beauty. David says, This is like what unity is. When you walk into a group of people who have this sort of unity about them, it's like walking up and hugging someone and smelling the sweet aroma on them. Now, my grandma would wear a specific, uh, a specific perfume, and I knew that smell. And now when I smell other women wearing that perfume, it triggers memories of my grandmother. When we smell like unity, it triggers something in people something good, something beautiful, something pleasant. Nobody wants to walk into a room where people hate each other. It's awkward and it's weird and you get tense. When you walk into a church that's full of unity, that's marked by unity, you long to be there. First image was beard oil. Second image is this dew that falls on Hermon, on Mount Zion. To understand this, we need to take a second and think about geography. Mount Hermon is located in the extreme north of Israel, above the Sea of Galilee. This doesn't mean anything to you, but just hang with me. It's located there. And this is a part of Israel that's known for its fertility. It's known to produce. It was known to produce fruit and food it was beautiful. It's the highest peak in, in Syria. Um, wildlife is there. So we have this picture of this beautiful mountain. Dew is falling on it, right? And then it, it waters Mount Zion. And the question is, what's Mount Zion? Like, what are we talking about here? Well, it's either the city of God... Um, or it's Jerusalem. 
Either way, the picture is clear. It's this picture of abundant blessing, of profound, um, fertile ground. Uh, I imagine this like the Pacific Northwest, right? Where it's just dew is there and it's wet and you go there and it's like wildlife and it's green and it's not like Southern California where it's brown, but it's green and it's beautiful and the fruit and the vegetation. David's saying this is exactly what unity does in a congregation of people. Not only does it produce this sweet fragrance, but it also makes you into people where it's fertile ground. <laughs> where you look around and there's love and kindness. And those things that we long for, the fruit of the Spirit, those are produced and thriving and growing. That's what unity does in a church. So what's David saying in these two pictures? One commentator puts it this way. He says, The Psalms' two images of oil and dew nurture the sense of the blessing and joy of community. The moist dew and the fragrant anointing oil conjure in the pilgrim's imaginations the sense of the gracious divine blessing coming down on them in this place, Zion. think Jesus is referring to this when we think about it John 13 by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another the sort of unity David tells the people to look up behold he reminds them of the blessing as they're on this dusty path <laughs> walking in a crowd of humans pressing up against them. He reminds them of the sweet aroma, which I think is fantastic. It's like clearly contrasted with the smell that they're probably smelling at that time in a sea of humanity walking through the dirt and the heat. And he reminds them of the abundant blessing. But then he pushes them forward says this, the last line of the psalm, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This last section of verse 3, David puts like the cherry on top of the Sunday. Um, he points out that the unity that they experience then is just a foretaste of the unity that they'll experience in the day to come. Life forevermore. I don't want to belabor the point, but I think it's important for us to take a, mu a minute to say this. Our unity now <laughs> reflects our life as it will be lived out forever. Um, our unity now in the church, when we dwell together, we're actually getting a foretaste of what it's going to be like in heaven and on the new earth. 
when you walk into into church and it's kind of like you know that uh, song from Cheers, everyone knows your name, right? And they're always glad you came. When you show up at church and it's like that, and you share a common bond, the common bond of Christ, what you're experiencing in that moment, that love, that friendship, is actually a little foretaste of what you'll experience forevermore. Our unity fit now finds its ultimate expression in the life everlasting. Uh, kids, have you ever have you ever tried to like copy a picture? Have you ever tried to like see a picture and then and then draw it yourself? Have you ever done that? I used to do that when I was a kid. Um, no matter how much I tried, I couldn't like reproduce the picture I was seeing. I wasn't that good of an artist, um, and. Um, my son Colin, he saved all his birthday money one year to buy himself a Lego AT-AT. I don't know if you guys know what that is. Like the big Star Wars character with the four legs that moves along the big machine. Um, he bought this thing and we put it together. And, um, and it was amazing, but it wasn't the real thing, right? Um, like if we were to confront a, a, an AT-AT in life, uh, it'd be terrifying, this giant machine walking around just stomping things and shooting lasers out of its face. Um, it'd be unbelievable. You see, so often, kids, we try to make something like a Lego machine into something that's real. We use our imagination for that. And David's telling you now, like you can imagine even the, the little bit of unity that we have here, kids, a little bit of friendship that you have with each other, sharing your stuff during church, passing notes, doing all that sort of stuff, that little bit of friendship there, it's almost like using your imagination. It's like imagining something that's real, something that's full, something that's true. Kids, that's the unity that Jesus tells us waits for us in heaven. Real beauty, real unity. You see, as we come to worship on Sundays, and then we go out and we eat and we drink and we hang out, we're practicing in part what we're going to experience in fullness. This sort of unity is something to die for. <laughs> something to give your life for. You see, this sort of unity controls our lives. This picture of the church that dwells together in unity it's something that becomes a controlling factor in the way we interact with each other. When we have disagreements in the church, um, this last couple of years has been nothing. <laughs> it's been like one of the yeah, biggest times for disagreements in the church. Is what controls your thoughts and your judgments unity? 
Or is it you being right? Is it a political ideology? This sort of unity is not something that we can work up on our own effort. It's not something that we can just snap our fingers and make happen. (laughs) We aren't that powerful. You see, the ties that bind us are not human ties. The ties that bind us is the blood that runs through us, the DNA that we share together because the Holy Spirit resides in us. You see, this sort of unity is so important that Jesus died for unity in the church to pull us together to bind us together as one. And then Christ calls us to die to our own desires so that unity would exist. You see, Christ died so that he could present to himself one unified people from every race, every class, all the things that we think divide us, Jesus died to break down those walls so that we would dwell together in unity. Now it's important to say, unity is not unanimity, right? Unity doesn't mean we all think exactly the same. We all have our own opinions and that's good and that's right. But as we express those ideas, especially as you think about the formation or reformation of a church, as we express those ideas, if they're done outside of the context of driving for unity, then they'll divide us. So how do we respond? We take up our cross and we follow Christ. (laughs) Um, We die to our own desires so that unity can abound even in such a small group. What does that look like for you? Especially as you move forward with the church. As a group who's already probably sacrificed so much, what does it look like for you to pick up your cross and follow Christ for the sake of unity in this church? It might look like a deepening sense of commitment. It might look like going outside of your comfort zone to talk to your neighbors to invite them to church it might look like any number of things it might look like saying oh yeah like it's my preference to do this but I can see that for the unity of the church like it would be better for us to do this so let's go in this direction it might look like any number of things this church um, which has already been through so much It can be easy to rest and to think, oh, we're unified. Look, we're all sitting here together. (laughs) We're a unified group of people. And in many ways you are. Brothers and sisters, let me encourage you. Unity is so beautiful, and yet it's something you have to fight for all the time. It's something you have to die for all the time. The beauty is, even in our disunity, though, Christ has died to unify us. So you can live in that reality. 
and seek to love one another. So, brothers and sisters, may, may God make you into a church that's unified, that cherishes the blood that binds you together, that lives out of that unity and love for your neighbors and love for one another. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's pray together. Uh, Jesus, this sort of unity is not something we can work up on our own. Um, certainly not uh, something that we can do in our own ability. And so we just ask you to work this through the power of your Spirit into our hearts so that, God, this would be a, a defining mark of this church. That when people would walk in, they would smell the sweet aroma of unity. And they would see the fruitfulness of unity as it's lived out in our lives. And that they would get a foretaste of heaven. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.